sounds good right now after what we just experienced, doesn't it? <laughs> everyone feeling oh it's so you 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 look good uh i don't know if you'll still look good when they bring the lights up a little bit but right now you look fantastic in the dark i mean absolutely gorgeous people speaking of gorgeous people i want to let you know something that uh instagram already announced so i don't really feel like i'm stepping on any toes to say this sanaz and brandon got engaged this week And some of y'all don't know who they are, and, and, but I just appreciate the clapping for them because that's a big, big deal. Now, I know she's not with you right now, and I'm just trusting that's because she's serving, uh, but <laughs> I'm, that's the truth? She's serving? Okay, good. Uh, so we're pumped for that, and I'm just pumped for what God has for you today. I, I want to echo what Pastor Troy just said, that there's no throwaway days in your life. Today is an important day for you. And as I've been praying for today, the thing that I'm most excited for is what God has for you. I mean, I'm excited about what I'm going to share from God's Word, but I am most excited. Once again, we are in 21 Days of Prayer. We do this twice a year in January and in August. And we put it in those spots because we know that those are the, the times when we're moving into our growth seasons, where God is going to do some great things. And our friends who are near to us but far from God are going to come into this place, and they're going to encounter God, and they're going to meet with God in this place. And we just know that, listen, we could love them and we could serve them and we could greet them and, and we could do all those wonderful things and that would help them for maybe a day or a season. But how many know if we're going to see an eternal life change in someone's heart, we need the power and presence of God in our lives. So we're just pressing in. This is the last week of 21 days of prayer. And uh, I just would invite you to uh, pick up with us, join us on that journey couple things that we do in 21 days of prayer. First thing is we open up the front of the church at the end of the service for prayer. We want to pray for you. Uh, we don't do that every week, um, which is because it's with intention that we don't actually. We, we have our prayer team generally in the lobby. And the reason we put them in the lobby is that when you go, you read through the Bible, most of the miracles actually happen outside of a church. And so why we want to do that is that we want to remind you visually every week that God can move anywhere. God can move in a noisy, loud room. God can move at the front of a church. God can do anything, anywhere, at any time. And so that's the culture of our church. But in 21 days of prayer, come on, some of y'all are going to take a step forward for prayer today. And right here at the front of the church, I don't even know what God's going to do. It's going to be amazing. We're just believing for that in your life. We also do Saturday morning prayer uh, from 8 to 9. And we've got one more week left happening right outside the front doors of the school here next Saturday morning. Rain or shine. And I think we could use a bit of rain right now to get rid of the smoke. And so uh, I'll bring an umbrella and pray with you. And uh, that'll be next Saturday. And maybe you just need to engage for the next seven days on a next level in private devotion, in your own time with Jesus. One other thing I want to let you know about before we dive into God's Word together, I'm excited about next week. I mean, it's going to be crazy. It's our high five, or five for five rather, our five for five Sunday. And you might not know what five for five Sunday is. We did this once last year. We're going to do it again in our second year Five for five is when we have five of the leaders of our church get up here and they all speak for five 
minutes. And we had them over to our house on Friday night to practice preach their messages to us. Y'all don't even know what's coming next week. It's going to be wild. It's going to be, like, it is, it is some good stuff. Like, I had preacher jealousy in my own home on Friday night as I was just hearing the words that these guys had from God. And so do not miss. It is like the most, y'all are kind of quiet today, but trust me, you're saving it for next week when you're just like shouting down people that you know so well and God's moving in their lives and has something to say to you through them. And so just, that's just a highlight. I think Christmas and Easter and five for five are kind of like my favorite Sundays of the year. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be in the front row just shouting people down, just shouting people down. And, and uh, we've just told people, listen, even if, even if you do a great job, just don't drop the mic when you're done because we don't want to see any of this. No, we don't. We're not going to see any of that, but we have, they have a five-minute countdown. They get to the end. We're going to be clapping. We're going to be on our feet. It's just going to be, it's going to, it's going to be next level. It's going to be rowdy. Get ready for that. Are you ready for God's word today? Oh, are you ready for God's word today? Troy said we're in staycation. We're doing a little mini-series in staycation, a two-week mini-series called Closer. My heart's cry for these, these weeks of 21 days of prayer is that you would just get a little bit closer to God. This morning I want to share a message with you. And I, I have this title for the message this morning. I hope that it's a visual representation or it becomes something that you can latch on to. The title of the message today is The Place Where Something Happens. The place where something happens. And I want to talk to you about prayer as the place where something happens. And I know a lot of us, we don't really think prayer is the place where something happens. And I've been there many times in my own life. Sometimes we, we get to the place where we think prayer is actually the place where nothing happens because you've gone through a season of unanswered prayer. And when you go through a season of unanswered prayer, there have been some times where I desperately called out to God, believing for him to move in a way that I wanted him to move, in the way that I thought that it would look. And God did not move in the way that I expected. And so I went through a season where prayer did not seem like the place where something happened. But my prayer for you today is that by the time you leave, you won't be thinking prayer is a dry place where nothing happens. You'll be thinking prayer is a place where at any moment in the presence of God, you could experience a life change. That's where I hope we leave this place this morning. I love what uh, the book of Psalm says about prayer. The writer of, of Psalm 91, we don't actually know who wrote this Psalm. He, he wrote this. He said, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I love that the Bible calls the place of prayer a secret place. Jesus also referred to prayer as a secret place. In Matthew chapter 6, he said, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in, say it with me, secret. And your Father who sees in secret will, say this with me, reward you. Secret place. And I love that the Bible refers to it as the secret place because we're all going through life. We're trying to find the secret. Like, what's the secret? What's the secret to success? And what's the secret to marriage? What's that thing that's going to bring about the desires of my heart? What's the secret to parenting? And what the Bible is explaining to us, what the psalmist is saying to us, what Jesus is saying to us, is if you want to know the secret to life, you find it out in the secret place. That thing that you've been desiring, that thing that you've been looking for, that's actually found, that secret is found in the secret place. Prayer is a place where something happens. And the Bible says a lot about what happens in prayer. In fact, we could talk 
on end, a whole entire list of things that happen in prayer. But this morning, I want to press into three things that happen in the place of prayer. Three things that happen in prayer. If we are going to glorify God, if we're going to fulfill our calling, if we're going to grow to maturity as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be in the place of prayer because it's a place where things happen. And here are three of the things that I see happening in the place of prayer. The first of them is this this morning. Perspective happens in prayer. Perspective happens in prayer. Psalm 73 is written. We know who wrote this one. It's a guy by the name of Asaph. And I like to see Asaph. Asaph, uh, you can picture Asaph. He's kind of like the emo millennial musician. Um, you know, his, he's, he's got, his jeans are a bit too tight. Maybe his shirt's a bit too big. He plays a banjo because that's the cool thing to do. You know, you can picture this guy, right? He's got a cup of coffee on him at all times. All times this guy is holding a coffee. Asaph sits down to write a song, and the brother is just feeling a little flat. He's feeling discouraged. The coffee has not kicked in yet for Asaph, and so he sits down, and on his banjo, he lays out this really big minor chord, and he writes down these words, I was envious of the boastful. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, you can just hear this kind of minor chord ringing out. He's, he's in a low place. Maybe he's sitting with his bandmates, and they're all just kind of, they're just feeling flat. And he goes on, the, the people, evil people, he's writing, he says, they're not in trouble as other men. These boastful people, the wicked, they're not in trouble, nor are they plagued like other men. And now he turns the camera kind of at his, towards himself in the lyrics, and he says, I'm the opposite of that. So if the evil are doing really well, look at me. I must have cleansed my heart in vain. This is verse 2. He's, you know, He's on like the four minor now. He's like, I'm just not doing really good. I've washed my hands in innocence. And it's really been meaningless because I've been plagued. I'm chastened every morning. And then in one of the great turning points of Scripture, watch what happens in verse 16. But when I thought how to understand this, so I see that the evil are doing really well. I see that the godly don't seem to be doing all that well. When I think about this, my heart feels heavy. It's a wearisome task. And then he lays out, a major chord, and he says, until I went into the sanctuary of God. I thought that the evil were doing really well and good people were doing really bad, and so I decided that the place I needed to be, when I realized that my perspective was off, I realized the place that I needed to get to was into the sanctuary of God. I needed a little secret place time in my life because my perspective was out. Now watch what happens. He hits the bridge. He's got his hands up in the bridge. I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You got me with your counsel. Afterward, you will receive me to your glory. He has gone from emo minor chord to full-on bridge where he's just screaming out, who am I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth I desire besides you, God. Come on. My flesh and my heart may fall fail, but I've been in your presence so I know, God, you're the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You don't even really have to work hard to preach that text. It'll preach itself. Perspective happens in prayer. Prayer is a place where something happens. Three, three of the most significant kind of God speaking to my moments uh, in, in my heart, even beyond just from God speaking to my heart, I would say three of the most significant moments of my year were in prayer. As God just showed me some stuff in my heart, began to realign me, I want to tell you one of these stories. It might not sound that significant to you, but trust me, this was big in my heart. And some of you know, a few weeks ago, my mom was in the hospital, and 
thanks so much for your prayers. You know, those of you who've, who've been praying, uh, mom's doing really well. The, the prognosis is kind of best case scenario for her. And I just thank you so much for your prayer. And when they were releasing mom from the hospital, it was going to be on a Tuesday. And so Rachel and I decided, well, we should get out of the house. We, we share a house with my parents. They live in the downstairs uh, basement suite of the house. And we decided it would not be good for them to hear a four-year-old and a two-year-old running around after mom had just been released from the hospital. And so we decided, let's go camping with some friends. So we phoned up some friends and said, let's, let's hit it. Let's go camping. Let's go have, have a good time. Now, I was physically emotionally, and even spiritually depleted. Uh, there was one night in the course of mom being in the hospital where we just basically didn't sleep all night. And so just full on flat. And there, of course, with that comes uh, less prayer in your life and you're just physically exhausted. And so there we are, we're sitting around the campfire with some friends of ours. Now, I need to let you know because this story you would think uh, this story needed some clearance. I had to own up to this one with my friends. So they've heard me. I've, I've processed the embarrassment of what I did with my friends. They know, and I've actually asked for permission to share this story in church just to help us together, just so you know. Now, we're sitting, and you'll understand why in a moment. We're sitting by the campfire, by the, um, by the CSA-approved propane campfire. And... And our friend, she's also going through a really difficult time in her life. And so there we are, campfire, friends, and she starts to cry. And Rachel, I mean, she's sitting there. Like, if you know Rachel, you can just picture how beautifully she would be listening to our friend in tears, right? It's just nobody like that I, I have observed, and I'm seeing some heads nod, when you're in a difficult time, like Rachel's just an amazing listener. So there she is. She's listening really well. Now, over here in this other seat by the campfire is your pastor. Uh, this is me. And I'm not doing as well. And I'm not having as good of an attitude. Now, I need to let you know <clears throat> something here. 99.9% uh, <coughs> uh, of the time, when somebody around me is in tears... I'm in a really good place. I feel full of the Holy Spirit. I'm like ready. I'm present. I'm ready to pray for them. I don't feel depleted. I don't feel like it drains me. I'm like, let's bring the presence of God into this situation. Let's be present to the pain, but also bring encouragement. Pray and believe for God's radical power to touch your life in the place you're at. 99.9% .9 of the time, I do not get depleted by people coming with issues and me being able to stand in a place of faith because that's the call on my life. And when you're functioning and you're calling, you're not getting depleted while you're doing the thing God's called you to do. No, 99.9% .9 of the time, I'm in a good space if you're crying around me. But there is the point one percent of the time. I'm sitting there around the campfire, and as our friend is crying, and Rachel's like, come on, we, we're going to stand there with you. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you got to stop crying right now. You just need to stop crying. I can't handle it right now. Just please, I'm begging you. I'm not saying this, but I'm thinking this, and I've had to, again, I've had to confess this to my friend. She knows that I had this thought, so, so when the point one happens, I'm going to confess it. You can't, you can't cry right now. 
as this thought is going to my mind, as God has matured my heart, and this has happened enough times, the 0.1% has happened enough times that I right away realize the thing that I need more than anything is to get into the presence of God because my perspective is off. I feel the Lord reminding me that I need to get into his presence, that of course through mom being in the hospital I've not had the prayer times that I would usually have. And it wasn't that God was shaming me, he was just drawing me back. I felt the Lord calling me back into his presence. Come on, let's go, let's get into, get into my presence, get full, get ready, let's go. So the next morning I'm up early and I'm in the presence of God and it's just a glorious time. I'm just, oh, thank you God, you're filling my heart. And the Lord just takes me back to that moment because the Lord wants to deal with my heart and my perspective being off. And the Lord said this to me. I felt the Lord speak this to my heart. It was really one of the, the three clearest times I've heard the voice of God this year. The Lord spoke to me and said, if the people in your world perceive that you've got the strength to handle their tears, I want you to think, how good does that mean I've been to you? If the people in your world think that they can pull on your strength when they are in a time of need, how good does that mean I've been to you? So let me call out the leader in your life today. As you grow in maturity in Christ, more people are going to pull on the strength that God puts into your life. And that is not depleting when you are full of the presence and perspective of God. What you find out, you find yourself in a place of worship. God, you've been so good to me. In fact, you've been so good that really almost everybody in my circle thinks they could pull on me. Why? They must see that you've been so good to me. Let me call out the leader in you. Come on, you're going to get closer to God, and more people are going to begin to pull on you. You've been, you've been going through a season where I've been, just, I've been in need and I've been pulling, but I want to call out the leader in you. The closer you get, the more your perspective shifts. Yes, God cares about in, being in your pain and meeting you right where you are today. Understand, though, he's got another level for you where the people around you are pulling on you, and it won't be draining. It won't be depleting. You will understand because, God, you've been so good to me. Perspective happens in prayer. Prayer is a place where something happens. Prayer is not a boring, dry place where nothing happens. Prayer is a place where something happens. Here's the second thing that happens in prayer. And you can thank me later for the alliteration. This is, this is, this is, God's power happens in prayer. God's power happens in prayer. We've been going through the book of Acts in our 21 days of prayer. And if there's anywhere in the Bible where we see that God's power happens in prayer, it's in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John get arrested for preaching Jesus. They get threatened and then they get released. And so they go and they connect with their friends and they say, they recap what's happened. Here's what went down. Now we better pray together. So they pray together and watch this prayer in Acts chapter 4. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hands to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, I want you to notice something about this prayer. This is a big prayer. They are asking for some things that are impossible on their own. They're saying, okay, God, um, we're going to need some boldness because none of us really like getting arrested, but we've got no choice but to talk about the goodness of God in our lives, so it looks like we're going to be getting arrested. 
So if we're going to be getting arrested, because we can't just not talk about what Jesus has done. If we're going to be getting arrested, what we're going to need from you is some boldness to walk through that. Oh, and by the way, what would also help is if we had some signs and some wonders and some miracles along the way to, just, to validate the word of God as it comes from our mouth. God, would you give us some boldness? And then the place they are is shaken and they walk out of there with what? Boldness. What I want us to notice from this is that they're praying some prayers that are impossible without God. If the only prayers you pray could be accomplished by your boss, if you say, God, I need a raise right now, your boss could give you a raise. And so when you get a raise, you think to yourself, not a prayer is a place where something happens, but I've got a good boss. If your only prayers are things that your friends could do for you, God get me through this rough time. When you get through the rough time, you're not thinking prayer is a place where something happens. You're thinking, I've got some really good friends. If you're thinking and praying prayers that you could accomplish yourself, God, would you reorient my thinking, make my thinking a little bit better? You can change your thoughts. And so when your thoughts change, you're not saying prayer is a place where things happen. You're saying, man, I'm pretty awesome. I changed my own thoughts. What I'm saying is it's about time we prayed for some things that were impossible. What are you praying every day in your life that is impossible without God? Like, how do I go about praying things that are impossible without God? Let me give you like the real, real practical how you go about doing this. There's two ways that you discover the heart of God for what's impossible in your life that God wants to do. The first way is you go to God and you say, God, what impossible thing do you want me to pray for? And God drops something in your heart, and you're like, man, that was straight from God. Because I don't even think that I know what that means. In Janu January 1 of this year, I went to prayer, went for a prayer walk around our house, and I said, God, what impossible things do you want me to start praying for this year? And God gave me three things. Two of them, by the way, have come to pass. One of them made no sense to me when God told me what it was. I didn't even know what I was praying for. It didn't make sense. It didn't seem to fit with my life. And God has more than accomplished that thing. In fact, when it happened, I just took a step back and I was like, whoa. Six months ago, I started praying for this thing. I didn't even know what the fulfillment of it would look like. In the so one of the ways you can start to pray impossible things is you say, God, what impossible thing do you want me to pray? And he speaks it directly to your heart. That's one way. That's the best way. Love those times. The more practical and more helpful way for those of us who you know, may say, I don't even know what it would look like to hear from God. I wouldn't know what his voice sounded like if he told me what to pray for. Here's the, here's the other way. Here's kind of like the other option if you don't get a direct word from God. You sit down in a place of prayer. You get yourself a pen. You get yourself some paper. And you start to write down some incredible things that are impossible that you would love to see and that you would love to believe for in your life. You write them down, and you keep coming back to them in prayer every day. And what will happen, as you begin to pray these things, God will let you know what things to scratch off and what things connect to his heart. As you begin to pray them on a daily basis, you'll be like, oh, clearly that one matters to God more than these other things. As you put those, apply those things in a place of prayer, God will let you know what things are his agenda and what things are yours. And I recently did this with God. I wrote down some crazy, 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 like insane level stuff that I was just dreaming about God being able to do through our lives that just would make no sense whatsoever. And 
I just love as I pray, I'm like, okay, and, that, and the more I work through them, and the more I pray them, I'm like, well, I can just tell that that one wasn't the heart of God. That was just something I thought that was awesome and that was impossible. Because, like, listen, what you could do, well, you might write down, I want to give a million dollars to the church. That would be amazing, right? That's a good thing. Write that down on the paper. I want to give a million dollars to the church. God to bless this thing, reach thousands of people. That's amazing, right? That you write that down, but it's just like, you just wrote something down. You don't know whether it means something or it doesn't mean something. You take that to God every day in prayer. I promise you, he will tell you whether that was from him or whether that was just you thinking. I just got, I need a raise of $46. I need, to get, I need to be making $46 an hour. Right now I make whatever, or I need to make $15 an hour. I got to, like whatever you're saying, these are financial ones. You, like whatever, you take that to God, you will quickly know in the place of prayer whether that was your heart or the heart of God. That's just a little practical stuff right there. I didn't even really plan to get into that. Here's why I think so many of us don't pray impossible prayers. You just don't think you deserve it. <laughs> I, in general, subscribe to the idea of you get what you pay for. My friend Jordan is in the front row today, and Jordan, he's a good friend, and, and he often will tell me if he likes, like, we have kind of similar style. I didn't run this story by Jordan, but that's, you need to know when I do and when I don't. Right now, he's a little nervous. Uh, but Jordan, I like, I like Jordan's style, so when Jordan pays me a compliment, I'm like, oh, I feel, I feel good about that. And this, we were hanging out one day, and Jordan said to me, I like your shirt. And I was like, oh, that's, oh man, I felt like you got that. I felt, I felt really sweet. And he said, I like, I like your shirt. Where'd you get your shirt? Now, I could have told Jordan where I got my shirt, but he's not, this is the way I recall it, at least. He's not really a personal space guy, and so he just reaches and grabs my collar and just looks at where I got my shirt. That's the way I recall it. I don't, this, this is how I, how I remember that's happening. And so he looks at my shirt. Now, I understand this clothing company they, they make some clothes that look pretty good, but they don't last very long. Um, like, you know, I'll, I'll get my extra small from the store, and then I'll wash it two times, and it's an extra large. It's a miracle. God is just expanding the capacity of this shirt every time it goes through the wash. This is like you get what you pay for. So he looks at my shirt, and he obviously thinks the same thing. He pulls up my shirt, and he's like, man, you better enjoy that shirt today because you're going to get one wash. <laughs> What's one wash? He knows. He knows the store. He knows what's what. And I generally subscribe to this. You get what you pay for. Prayer is not like that. Prayer is not at all you get what you pay for. In prayer, you do not get what you pay for. You get what God paid for. When Jesus spread wide his arms on the cross and he gave his life and sacrificed his life for you and the earth was shaken, he paid for your forgiveness and he paid for your healing and he paid so that you could step into the amazing presence of God, not because of what you had done or what you had paid for, but because of who Jesus is and what he did for you. And so what is there in your life that you're praying for on a daily basis that's impossible apart from God. Prayer is a place where something happens. Come on, if we're going to grow to maturity, if we're going to glorify God, if we're going to fulfill our calling, we need to be in the place where something happens because we need some renewed perspective. We need the power of God. Finally, this last thing we need in the presence of God, if we're going to step into this next season and see all God has called us to as a church, we need the, God's presence that happens in the place of prayer. We need God's presence. In the Old Testament, the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, 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 
placed in the tabernacle that the nation of Israel carried around with them as they journeyed through the wilderness. And God put that behind a curtain, a place called the most holy place. Once a year, the priest would go in behind the curtain. He'd make atonement for the sins of the people. He would, he would ask God for forgiveness for the sins of the people. But if the priest stepped into behind the curtain, the most holy place, and had sin in his life, he would drop dead in the holy presence of God. He'd wear bells so that they would know if he wasn't moving around. He's dead. And he'd have a rope tied around his ankle so that if they stopped hearing the bells, they could drag him out dead. You know the very first thing that happened when Jesus died on the cross? God split the curtain in two. Revealing to us that God was making an invitation for you and I to step into his presence, his manifest presence. Understand, at any moment on a Tuesday, on your lunch break, you could step into the presence of God. On a Wednesday, after your kids have finally gone to bed, you can step into the presence of God at any moment, even after you've missed a day of prayer the day before. Come on, you can step into the presence of God. God was letting you know that you no longer need to send somebody else on your behalf, and you no longer need to worry whether or not your sin disqualifies you from getting into that place. No, he was saying you no longer need to fear for your life when you come before me because of what Jesus has done. You can step in at any moment into the manifest presence of God. And this is what 21 days of prayer is about. This is why we do it in January and why we do it in August. Because we understand. I'm excited that your friends are going to come to church in the fall. They're going to walk in and they're going to be like, man, my kids get taken care of with excellence in our kids. And they're going to come by our Connect team and they're going to say, man, someone looked me right in the whites of the eye and asked me how I was doing. And I actually think they cared when they asked me the question. They're going to they're come in here and they're going to see Andrew lead worship. And they're going to be like, man, that's some pretty decent music right there. All those things are good things and I'm happy that our team crushes it on all those levels. But please understand, the only thing that really matters to us is that this is a place where the presence of God dwells. We are a people of the presence of God. We cannot do it on our own and the next level where God has called us to a church is dependent on us pressing in to the presence of God. Come on, it's a press season. It's a lean-in season. We've got one more week in 21 days of prayer. I want to invite you into the presence of God. Just a moment, our worship team is going to come back, and, and as we've done every, time, every week in this 21 days of prayer, we're going to press into a place of prayer. And we're going to open up the front of a church where you can come and receive prayer today. Maybe you need prayer for new perspective. Maybe you need prayer because you need the power of God in your life. Maybe you simply want to come receive prayer so that you could encounter God's presence on a way that you've never encountered it before. Whatever the reason you would come for prayer, you can stay where you are in worship or you can step out because you feel that God will call you to do that. But as we return to this place of prayer, we want to make that invitation available for you so that as we step into the presence of God, as we close out with one more week in 21 days of prayer, as we head into the fall where we have not, the best is yet to come. As we step into the fall, we are going to know that we step in not in our own power and not in our own strength, but in the power of and presence of God. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me all over the room. And your invitation, 
again, to come and receive prayer. As soon as the band begins to sing, you can come receive prayer from our team. Of course, feel comfortable to be in your seat. Just worship and encounter God where you are or at the front in prayer. We just release that to you. Be led by God. And God, I pray right now, Lord, for every person under the sound of my voice in this room. I believe that the best that you had in store for them this morning is yet to come in the power and presence of God. I thank you, God, that your word is calling to us inviting us into a deeper place of your power and your presence and perspective. God, I thank you in the next few moments, God, we can experience a life change in the presence of God. Come on, I invite you just as Pastor Troy did. Would you lift your hands in this place? Would you get your hearts ready? Make room in your heart for God to speak to your heart today. Lord, we lean into you with all we have and all we are in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's worship together. Than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. Let's sing this again, my hope. Jesus' blood 
sing it again. You shall return. You shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall kiss the you to keep your eyes closed your heads bowed for just a moment because there's maybe some people in the room today and in this atmosphere of faith you know there's something missing in your life and if I was to have the opportunity to sit down with you ask you if you're really following after Jesus in your life you'd say I just it's I'm not and I'm not even sure what all that would entail Today, I want to I give you an opportunity to pray a prayer of believing faith in Jesus Christ. Today, you'd say, yeah, today I want to I surrender my life. I want to become a Christian. I want to choose to follow Jesus. I've tried my own way. The Bible refers to it this way as repentance, but repentance is not feeling bad for things that you've done in your life. Repentance simply means I'm going to get out of the driver's seat in my life, and I'm going to put God there. It's really all that means. I'm going to turn from my way, and I'm going to go God's way. So I want to I give you an opportunity in a moment to make that faith decision. Maybe for you it would be an absolute first time you've ever made that decision. Or maybe for you, you know that you have 
you've willfully walked away from God and today you'd make a decision to come back and say, yeah, I'm going to rededicate my life to God in this place today. And I say this all the time. I'm not talking about like you've had a rough week and you've had some sin in your life. I mean, you're far from God. You've willfully walked away and today you need to come back to the Lord and recommit your life to say, Jesus, you're in the driver's seat again. So if that's you in this place, here's what we do. We pray a prayer of believing faith. You don't have to step out. You don't have to join this church. You don't, have to, you don't have to do anything, but it's a decision of your heart of putting your faith in Jesus. It's a faith decision. It's between you and God, and God made it that way. Salvation by an act of faith, not by what you do, so that you would never get confused thinking that you had anything to do with it. It's all His mercy and His forgiveness. And so all we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer of believing faith in a moment. And in that prayer, you're just saying, I give you my heart and I give you my life. We won't center you out. We won't embarrass you. In fact, you pray it right where you are and everyone here is going to pray it with you, alongside you. But you just say, yeah, I want to pray that prayer today. Before we close the service, you just say, yeah, I'm going to pray that prayer along with you today. Would you just slip your hand up and say, yeah, I'm going to be praying that prayer today. Just slip your hand up and say, yeah, today's my day of decision. Just long enough for to acknowledge it in your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands up in the room this morning. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for what you're stirring up in our hearts and lives today, God. If you just raise your hand, or maybe you didn't, but you're like, man, I really wanted to. Come on, let's pray this together. Pray this with me again. This is, this is the posture of your heart. This is a faith prayer. God is about to do something miraculous in your life. You might not feel like a lightning bolt hits you, but trust me, this is the, when the, the most important moment, I will say that, in your life. That as you surrender your life, the Bible says that you'll become a brand new creation. The old being gone, behold, all things have become new. So come on, church family, let's pray this together with those who've raised their hands. Just say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life my full surrender. I'm going to follow you. Thank you for dying for me so I could be forgiven, have life eternal and abundant. I'm going to choose to follow you. Help me follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together for those who prayed that prayer today? It sounds good right now after what we just experienced, doesn't it? <laughs>